All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E media.ie. It's Justin Dawson. It's the All Things Techie Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Now, I have to say to all our listeners who's listening in, on an audio podcast the next couple of episodes of our podcast will make more sense if you go to our youtube page like and subscribe on our youtube page and also visit our website www.allthingstech.ie because we are into ise 23 integrated systems europe 2023 in barcelona in a week's time and a lot of the upcoming podcasts and videos are going to make a lot more sense if you actually see them in a visual context. Uh, I will be trying to explain it in an audio context to our audio listeners, but uh, as this is an AV podcast and we're going to Integrated Systems Europe, one of the biggest audiovisual conferences in the world that happens annually, you're better off watching the video. So, uh, go to the YouTube channel. Um, so because I won't be able to get to every booth, there's over a thousand booths at ISE this year in 2023, I had to do some pre-recorded shows and pre-ISE shows. Uh, so you're going to have a series of shows over the next week. Uh, I hope you like them. Do subscribe on YouTube. Do uh, give your comments at www.allteenstech.ie. And uh, if you bump into me at ISE23, I will be doing podcasts uh, in the Influencers Lounge um, and a couple of other places. And I'm on stage on Thursday at 12 o'clock with Jane Ross from Zoom. So uh, do come along and listen to that discussion. Um, so, But if you do bump into me, I do have some swag. I am giving away some swag. So uh, do say hello. I hopefully will have some swag to give you. Um, but enjoy the next couple of shows and uh, hope to see you at ISE 2023. It's the All Things Techie Podcast, and we're talking about pre-ISE 2023. Great to be joined by uh, Andrew Stark. Say hello, Andrew. Uh, give hello. me a bit of a, a background on yourself. I know we've been talking about scouting yeah. for the past 15 minutes off mic because uh, we, we see that connection from your hoodie. But uh, tell right. me about yourself. Well, I mean, just, I mean, you can cut all this out if you want to, but um, I just briefly, I, I grew up in TV, a cable access station here in Minnesota. Um, so I've been doing TV since I was about 14, um, teleproduction for a local, like a uh, very low end kind of station. And and then uh, went on to, to work in school and, and all that kind of stuff. And then when I um, got out of high school very quickly after that, I started a business called Tightrope Media Systems that does digital signage and it does. Um, we made an instant replay server and some and other other things like that. But um, I also worked at a number of different um, uh, pro AV dealerships uh, or integrators, systems integrators, things like that. And then um, and now today I'm working at uh, Matnica, which is a um, a very large company. I work for a small division of it that makes um, components based on open standards. I mean, our big thing. 
um, is, has always been to support open standards, uh, not only making products that that um, support the open standards, but also getting really involved in, in promoting and developing those standards as well. So You are also the uh, board member and director of product management at Monogaz, is that? And, uh, the AIMS board director. Yeah. And we better say what is AIMS. The Alliance for IP Media Solutions is a not-for-profit right. organization dedicated to the education awareness and promotion of industry standards for the transmission of video, audio, and ancillary information over an IP infrastructure as Just well. Just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, yeah I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, I had to remember it down. I needed to write that down. You know, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I mean, I'm, very precise, right? Not a whole ton of precision, not a lot of clarity. Um, no, the, uh, written by an engineer. Um, yeah. no, I, yeah, that is what we do. I mean, basically we, you know, we are seeing what everybody I think is, seeing. you know, like if you look at every industry out there, whether you're talking about retail or, you know, anything, you know, there's been this kind of like the internet happened to us, you know, like, you know, the internet happened to the pro EV industry, the internet happened to the retail industry, um, happened to newspapers. Right, and so for the media and entertainment industry and the pro ID industry, it's happening to us, but it's happening later because the traffic we generate is so weird. It's mm -hmm. high bandwidth, multicast, you know, and it's just kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from what you see with the bulk of traffic out there. So solving our problems has been more difficult. And so we're kind of on a, you know, we're on that, beginning of the curve or not really the beginning we're, we're we were in the beginning and now i think we're kind of getting over it but we're in that part of the curve where you have a lot of proprietary options that are solving problems for customers and doing great things but also creating problems in in terms of uh not being able to be interoperable and those kinds of well, things that's, so, that's, that, i think that yeah. you hit the nail on the head there the interoperability right. like i think yeah. slowly but surely it's getting better like you know I, I I always take an interest in in smart home uh, appliances. Mm -hmm. I'm I have yeah. I better not set off anything around my studio table here, but I'm a G O O G L E house. Uh, so yeah. but it, it's nice to see that like there is talks of the Alexa working now with Google. Yeah, and What's that, what is, it's a new. There's two new standards coming out, right, mm -hmm. for home automation. So I can't remember their name now. You probably know them. Um, but yeah, no, it's, off the top uh, of my head, it, 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 it escapes me. Yes, but yeah, there yeah well, there's Zigsby and all that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. But there's now a new one, right? And so it's, it's, you know, we get the promise of the technology starts to get delivered, and then the frustration uh, that nothing, you know, that nothing works together, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so anyway, Ames is Ames came out of really JTNM and AMWA and VSF. These are other these are organizations that um, kind of feed into SEMTI. Um, so they're the ones where people are getting together, they're hashing these problems out, and then they create basically a standard, and then that goes to a standards body like SEMTI. Ames came out of that because we found that, um, you know, the build it and they'll come thing wasn't working. We really needed to not only make the standards, but also to some extent almost kind of protect them, meaning that like make, making sure that people weren't just taking what we were doing and then making something newly proprietary from it by just taking parts of it or right, um, yes. or changing it in some way. So Ames is really the trade organization that is kind of establishing, you know, what it is that is it, you know, the interoperable, what sets of standards are there, those kinds of things. And IPMX is really kind of the first product of that work. Um, yeah, so in the past, you know, we've been advocates for SEMTI 2110, but now with IPMX, we actually created a logo and, and are starting to create the profiles and everything that need to be 
This is really new to 2023, maybe 2022, you, you started using a bit of it. Um, so looking at the website and uh, your ipmx.io, uh, any resolution from SG to AK and beyond? <laughs> I, yeah. I always love this. Now, this is, this is where my head or my AV hack goes on and just goes, how much can the eye perceive? 8K, 16K yeah. upwards, you know, you, you know. Yeah. Well, I, have you stood in front of one of those direct view LED 8K walls with like, you know, like when you're, when you're standing back, I'm with you. I mean, I can't tell, I actually can't tell the difference between 1080p and 4K. Yes. But when you're up, <laughs> On top of the map, uh, uh, like I saw, I actually had the same exact thought you did. And then I saw this demo and I can't remember the name of the booth. They would love it if I could remember who they were, but they had a, they had a map and you're standing in front of this giant map and you're right up against it. You could feel the heat of that, of the direct LED lights on your face. And you had this perfect looking, you know, map right in front of you. And it just became suddenly clear <laughs> where you oh, were yeah, using it. it, it when you have that aspect ratio yes. of a screen, I, I guess then you can see the difference between the 1080, the 4K and the 8K. Yeah, when you're right I, up I remember, on it. Yeah, yeah, right up on it. But like, I remember I was over at ISE and I think it was in Amsterdam, it was some uh, four years ago now, maybe five years. And there was a small little booth, like one of these new upcoming um, AV companies and uh, out of China. And they were trying to display, display 8K back then about five or so years ago. They were working off it, what would be no bigger than a 32-inch screen. And I was like, mm -hmm. you could tell me that that's 16K. <laughs> I'm not yeah, exactly. You wouldn't know, right? Yeah. Well, and what's interesting too, and I, where I thought you were going to ask, but... Um, is is actually from our perspective in fact there's even somewhat of an internal debate about whether or not we should specify what ipmx you know minimum resolution is and mm -hmm. and i i don't think we're headed in that direction simply because like from where we are like it's almost like we don't care about the resolution we we really just care that there's at least one resolution and 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 it's not only resolution but it's also color space you know mm -hmm. rgb 8-bit you know, you have to specify one sort of common handshake there, but but I think that you know the devices themselves. First off, they're going to have a UHD label on them, or they're going to have an 8K label on them. And second, you know, the the use cases for video today are just so wild. Like, um, you know, consider a stadium and like the ribbon, right? You mm -hmm. you see the, you know, that is a video, right? And in the in sort of the current state of the art. And there's some that don't do this, but the current state of the art would be to take like a, a 1080p signal and just slice it and then just show the slice you want and then stitch it back together. Yes. But now they're even starting now to just natively put out the signal that you want because, you know, SEMPTI 2110, for example, you can specify a picture that's two pixels high by, you know, a million long. And that's a totally legal way to do it. Um, so it's, it's the... You know, the, the re resolutions are important, you know, once you get into display and the devices and everything, but there's kind of independent of the of the transport standards, uh, except that we do have a upper limit and that is 16K. If you need to do like 64K video, then you're gonna have to go to a different standard. <laughs> yeah, so so how long has the standard been worked upon? And is, is, are, you, are you considering the likes of IRC as this is the launch of our new standard? Well, we've been, we launched this right at COVID. 
So okay. if you remember when COVID came out, we were at ISD in Amsterdam and like the beginning of the show was all happiness and sunshine, except for LG wasn't here for some reason. And then by the end of the show, it was like, can I get home? You know? <laughs> um, so that was where, that was where the, the year we picked to launch I, uh, IPMX. It's, it's kind of, we launched the brand really. Um, the, the, the truth about, you know, sort of the evolution of IPMX is that we started with Sempty 2110. And we went to the Pro AB market and said, hey, what do you think about our Sempty 2110? And they all said, no. <laughs> and the problems were that it's uncompressed. Um, it requires PTP timing. Everything's got to be synchronous, right? And there's so many use cases in Pro AB where that's not only, um, you know, not, what, not required, but not even desirable, right? And so <clears throat> um, we had to kind of go back and look at what we had. And what's funny about SEMT2110 is that people think about it as a broadcast standard with very narrow de definition. The reality is, is that SEMT2110 defines all the stuff, almost all the stuff we're using in IPMX. Mm -hmm. It's just that broadcasters don't use it that way. So broadcasters don't use RGB. They don't do 444. They don't do 8-bit. We do all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. um, they don't, they don't, typically when you're talking about SEMT2110, you're not talking about compression, although that is changing now. Um, and dash 22, which is part of SMT 2110, that's, that's part of IPMX. So what really IPMX is, it's a different flavor, a different profile laid on top of SMT 2110. Plus we've had to do some additional things as well that are not in SMT 2110 at all, like RC, RTCP sender reports, which if you don't so know what those are. would you consider SMT you know, more broadcast, aimed at the broadcast industry? And it, yeah. It, well, I would say it this way. I think that that's a, that's a fine way to think about it. But I think a slightly more complete picture would be to say that the broadcasters made this very, very general set of standards that actually works really anywhere. And it has been working in direct view LED. They've been using it for a while. Medical devices are using it. You know, so it's not that only broadcasters can use it or that they made it just for broadcasters. They, they really did go through all of the work to support arbitrary resolutions, arbitrary bit rates, different color spaces that broadcasters don't use. They have all that defined. Um, so yes, it came from broadcast, but I, I would say maybe the way I would kind of phrase it is that it came from the people that invented video in the first place. Um, <laughs> so, you yeah. know, Senti is the inventor of, of, you know, well, they weren't the inventor of it, but they were the ones to standardize the earliest forms of video in the United States. And, and then the counterparts in Europe did the same thing around the same time. Um, and then computers came along and here we are, right? Yeah. Um, so now that we're all back on the same common platform, um, SEMTI is just doing what SEMTI has always done. And now that we're on the same common platform, I think people are waking up to the fact that it doesn't make a lot of sense to have different flavors of doing the same thing on the same common platform when there's so much to be gained by by having those things use the same APIs and the same transport mechanisms and then that interplay that you get between live production. I mean, we think of broadcast, right? But what is broadcast? Mm -hmm. It's live production. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's live production for the antenna. But, yeah. but really, we're all streaming now, right? Um, and and even, this is, even this it is. Like it, yeah. because, because you, another good point is that we're not trying to push this down into an antenna and out or yeah. on a satellite dish and out. You know, it's changing the way TV studios 
mm-hmm. buildings for broadcasting. I, I like, you know, I think what you guys have over in America is what we'll catch up on eventually here in Europe and Ireland. <laughs> well, to an extent, well, maybe yeah. to an extent, as, you know, yeah. As this stuff all goes to IP, though, I don't know. It, I mean, I think a lot of it is is getting eaten by software you know mm-hmm. uh, hardware still plays a huge role in it um but it's i think as we move to these kinds of technologies you know where you are is gonna is gonna be a more a question about latency <laughs> than, <laughs> than anything else but i think the technologies i mean we use uh switchers that are extremely popular we use switchers in the u.s that are extremely popular in europe the um I'm going to forget the name of them now, but, you know, anyway, the equipment's mixing around a lot more than mm-hmm. I think it has been. Um, um, so going to talking about aims and these protocols mm-hmm. and um, and standards, how many on the board and how <laughs> how does one come up with such a standard? Well, you have to have a lot of experience in the industry. You have to be really an expert in it. Right. Mm. Um, and I think that. Um, you can kind of see who started doing it um, in within these organizations. I think Matrox and Matnica were both really big early people in it, um, and, and of course Ross and um, uh, and a lot of those other guys. Cisco and Arista have been active in it early on. Um, but now that you, you know, to be honest with you, we kind of had to fake it until we made it a bit. Mm-hmm. We had we had the internal expertise to understand what needed to be done. Um, but once we once we showed that we had that core set, that's when we started to get uh, companies like Barco and Luminex and um, uh, I'm going to forget uh, Netgear. Um, a, a lot. I'm going to forget some key ones here. I don't. I want to remember them. We, all, we will. Be, don't, be, don't forget, <laughs> listeners. This is a video podcast yeah. and also an audio podcast. And um, so right. I, I'm going to add in uh, all all your different. Uh, Alliances yeah. as, uh, as well, and I know they. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, to but once we started to show that we kind of had the right mix, well, I want I want to mention Intel as well. They're not an Ames member, but they are a member of VSF. They've been working on it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, you know, once we showed that we were kind of headed in the right direction, that's when we started to get sort of your A list pro AV companies to take a lot more interest in it. Um, a lot of them said before we got to that point, it's like, hey, we've been here before, you know, so <laughs> they wanted well, to make sure. That, you know, like, it, yeah. it, it, it's, how do you say, figure, or you have to get people to, to buy into these type of mm-hmm. protocols. Like, I, I know you, you on your website, uh, you you mentioned with AIMS, you've done a lot with AES 67 back in the time, mm-hmm. you know, so yes, from that, you've you've done a lot with the audio engineering society. Some I I remember AES was in Dublin just before COVID. I think back in three four mm. years ago now, um, and I went along to it. I did some interviews at it. Some very scientific people there, you know, where a lot yeah. of it goes yeah. over. You know, it's like wow. Well, uh, audio is another world altogether. Right? Yes, yeah. Did exactly. the guy with the guy that you're talking to was he wearing a ponytail? Probably yes, I think <laughs> yeah, so. <probably>. Yes. <laughs> but, no, love, love the audio guys. I'm just joking. Oh no, they, they yeah, well, yeah. you know, like I, I have a, a master's degree. I did TV and radio production, and uh, back then, like back when, I was a, a sound technician as well. But to their level, no, guys, you lazy nope. guy. No, no, no yeah, video guys think they know what they're talking about. Mm-mm, no, yeah. the audio yeah. guys are crazy. 
But you know, yeah. so to, to I was surprised though to look back at the history a little bit because um, I came into this like in 2018 or so. So AES 67 was never intended, I mean, maybe for politics or maybe for good reason, to be its own standalone infrastructure protocol. It was designed mm -hmm. to be the glue between different protocols. And I think you know that certainly has changed. You know, today we we certainly look at AES 67 as being you know, front and center protocol. And that's why it is part of IPMX. So mm -hmm. IPMX uses AES 67. Now we've added um, RTCP sender reports. So technically speaking, some of the audio out of an IPMX device, actually not even technically speaking, some of the audio out of the IPMX device would not work in a straight AES 67 device because we support asynchronous audio and, and that's not part of AES 67. Um, but other than that, it's all, totally, you know, legitimate AES 67. And when IPMX is, does take advantage of PTP, then it is just, you know, there's nothing more to say about it is AES 67 audio at that point. So, <laughs> so you have, you have several um, companies that work alongside, uh, but with the likes of, of course, you're coming over to ISE uh, in next mm -hmm. week, we'll be over in, in, in Barcelona. How much of a buy-in do you get from the likes of Avixa and Cedia wanting to, to do these <laughs> courses? You know, oh, is, 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 have, I, have, yeah. I, have I hit a, a sore spot or is well, it, is, 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 you know, the honest answer is the signals are a little mixed mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, once you talk about, you know, like the actual organizations that are running, you know, Infocom and, and ISC, I think it's a little more muted. You know, it's it's much more kind of wait and see. It reminds me a lot of the reaction that we get from very large manufacturers with ecosystems that they're doing very well with. Thank you very much. Mm. Um, you know, they they want to do what their customers are asking for, right? But they're not going to ask their customers to ask for an open standard anytime soon. You know, yes. I mean, once the open standard is in the bid spec, then they'll start to, you'll start to see products flooding out of those organizations that support the open standard. Um, but until such time, they're gonna sit back and wait and see. So we don't, you know, just as an anecdotal piece of evidence, because we're a nonprofit promoting open standards, you know, we traditionally have had the doors thrown open for us at IBC. It's changed a little bit with the leadership over there, but at NEB, you know, um, we're treated you know very well and it's a it's a mutual relationship where we're helping the industry and they're helping us not so much with ibc or isd and <laughs> and the vixa and and those guys we um we're huge fans of of those organizations and actually we're looking at how we can do training through them yeah so we're, we're very much you know, you know wanting to be involved in that i, I have my I cts right now it's a little you know i, I have my cts yeah. qualification it's, yeah it's iso standard it's global yeah um do do you see do you, do you feel that the likes of Ames is it only hitting the American market or are you getting no, oh no 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 I mean we chose ISE to launch IPMX on purpose mm -hmm. um, a huge part of our um, activity is out of Europe um, we also have a lot of activity in Asia we're you know we're a Japanese company mm -hmm. I don't look very Japanese but <laughs> the company I work for is Japanese. Um, and, you know, and also there's Japanese manufacturers, of course, that are involved in IPMX as well. Um, uh, so I think that, you know, Senti and, and, you know, Ames 
I think there is, I think it's fair to say there is a big North American contingent, but I would say that I, I, I would have to run the math on the numbers. It might be about even between Europe and, and the US though. No, because yeah. like I remember sitting down with Chuck Espinosa, who who is now moved on to Aurora Media, but who was the senior instructor there for Vixa, and he explained to me like at one stage how much work goes into just adding one question into a global question bank to do mm-hmm. the the CTS exam with with the Vixa. Yep. So trying to write. A standard, I can imagine, and right. Oh yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. It, you know, yeah, it, yeah. But it's needed though, because you know, if I mean, just you know, for your listeners, right? You know, mm-hmm. imagine, like, you know, trying to communicate to somebody, you know, from a different culture, right? I mean, that that comedy ensues, right? You tell somebody, hey, I like the way you look. You know, I like your shirt. In in like China you know, know, complimenting somebody on something they own is basically asking them to give it to you, right? So just in that small thing. Now imagine trying to make an interoperable, highly technical standard between engineers who don't speak the same language, and you just have to go off the document. You can't go off of anything other than what's written on the page. Mm -hmm. And two devices, two different manufacturers have to start talking together. And that's that is, I think, the hardest thing I can think of in our industry. Um, but, but that said, I mean, the rigor and the um, quality of the training that Avixa offers is definitely been something that we've been looking at, and uh, we would love to uh, start. You know, in fact, we're very actively working through training on IPMX, and and with a goal towards having our our training available through Avixa. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the whole fact of aims is like for people that don't know about aims. Mm-hmm. How easy it is is it to get some education? I'm 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 seeing that you have an education library on your website. Well, we yeah we do have an education library that basically what we've been doing is curating the the talks we've been sponsoring throughout the years. These are you know uh, range and from very basic to extremely technical talks on very esoteric you know subjects. Um, but we we have a lot of a huge backlog of that. Um, I would also mention too, we have, um, we would love people to join AIMS. Um, you know, obviously we, we want people to join that are into our mission. And so, you know, in the pro AV world, it's joining the standards organization is just not, not in people's, you know, habit. No, right? it's not really. No, if we could get through the day of like. doing live events and, right. uh, and broadcasting. It's like, every volunteer organization you've ever been to, right? You've got a bunch of super active people, some people that kind of hang back and just listen. Um, but we have uh, the Pro AV working group, the audio working group, we've got RIST, we've got um, technical working group, which kind of covers what's going on. And I think, you know, one thing that I'll say from, you know, like a systems integrators perspective, you know, we have different levels of membership, uh, but it's, it, it actually for sure from a manufacturer's perspective, it, even from you know a systems integrator's perspective, being inside those meetings and hearing what's happening and being a part of those discussions gives your company incredible influence over how things progress. Mm-hmm. Because when you you know look, this is what I'm seeing, or these are the use cases that my customers are talking about. You know that that's going to be put into the mix with not not a tremendous you know huge number of people. You know I mean there's only like you know a few dozen people. Now that said, you know, we do a lot of listening and we do a lot of information gathering. And um, so there's a lot of curating going on. But the point I'm making is that if you are an organization in Pro-AV and you want to um, 
really get into a leadership position and really learn about what's happening, you know, not now, but like 18 months from now, um, I can't think of a better place to, to join the names. Maybe actually, maybe VSF or AMWA, but those are all sister organizations that we work with. So it's all the same for me. So <laughs> any one of those three would be great. Now, if, if people stop by your booth, what are they going to see? They're not well, going to just see a yeah. sheet of, of standards and come, come, come read us. Right, right. No, what they're going to see is um, we're really focused this year on showing in the booth, we're going to show the core technology. So these are the things that people, they say, okay, what's the latency like? What's the quality like? Do I get HDCP support? You know, all of those things, right? Software implementations. We're showing those key things that we get questions about over and over and over again. So we're showing interoperable HDCP that's been fully blessed by DCP. So you know that you're covered and you know it's going to work correctly. Mm -hmm. We're showing uh, subframe latency. We're showing software implementations, working with hardware implementations. They're really showing the full set of core functionality. And then what we're doing at the booth is we also have a list of, I think, a dozen companies now that'll be showing various IPMX demonstrations in their booth. So in the past, we've shown interoperability. We showed kind of a more, more multi-vendor interoperability in the Ames booth, and that's what we were highlighting. Now we're highlighting capability, and we're showing you know, multiple people with um, IPMX ready, because IPMX, I want to have to say, unfortunately, it's not a... I wouldn't say it's a totally complete standard yet. It's still, there's a few things that need to be ratified, even though as the core is, you know, there. Um, but so we're showing a lot of IPMX ready equipment throughout the, throughout the show. Also, we're showing a lot of SEMPTE 2110 broadcast workflows mm -hmm. working with IPMX. And we're showing how those different, you know, you have synchronous workflows where you need super low latency and you're doing live production, like you're doing iMag or something like that. And you need that to mix in with your laptop. You want to show on the screen, right? Yeah. So we're showing those kinds of things. In, and that's the in problem. Like, you, you know, you, you, yeah. we could do all these high-tech AK yeah. type of displays, but can my computer, when I want yes. to handle it, can it handle the power? Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that is a core. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really big thing. The other interesting thing, and it's not really off topic, but it's just changing gears here a little bit, is that when you think about, broadcast right you think about like the very highest end and it is i mean they they always run things redundantly and they're doing things uncompressed and so in a way like their their stuff is the very highest end but when you think about ipmx it's actually a little more sophisticated than than what you would think about when you think about simply 2110 because handling making things easy for a user to just plug in and i see video you know, that's hard to do. Yes, <laughs> it's yeah. really hard to do. You have to emulate EDID, which is another thing we're doing. Oh, really yes. Well. Well, I know um, EDID. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So the state of the art in Navy over IP today is to take your favorite EDID file, maybe hack it a little bit, and then tell the rest of the network that that's the EDID. It's going right? to work. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what we've done instead is we've we've line, outlined a way, um, a method to take your EDID information, and then we represent that as a normal you know, JSON object or JSON mm -hmm. uh, payload. And then uh, what we've done is we made, we basically outlined the method by which you take the, the monitors that you're multicasting to, you make the aggregate EDID, and then you're able, your controller is able to feed that back to the source. So the source knows what will work on every monitor. 
Mm -hmm. And your controller is actually able to even do more logic there. Like it can say only do this resolution or only, you know, only do the, one of these two resolutions or whatever you want it to do. Um, but, but then the, the, the sender then takes that information and goes from there. So, so we're, we're actually kind of giving people a best practices way to properly handle the EDID, mm -hmm. which I think has never been really done before. No, um, like, as as you know, usually it's the case of plugging things in and going, why is that? Yeah, oh, it's, it's working. Happy. Well, then you buy a needed minder, yeah. right? And then you then you look to see what, okay, shoot. Uh, or this monitor I've got is only doing, you know, whatever narrow blanking or some weird thing you've never heard about before, but now you have to become an expert in it. And that's that's heated. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but so the boot, the boot actually does sound interesting um, and I, I look forward to actually meeting you, Andrew. Sure, yeah, absolutely. At, 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 like, I, do, you, do you find from launching um, the IPMX a couple of years ago, Infocom, NABS, do you, do you find that the conversations do happen at the boot? Um, oh, my gosh, do, yeah. do ask a lot of techie questions? It's like, yeah, no, it's like talking to people that have been like, in a bad relationship we all have that more is possible They're, you I, know like yeah you know. I, I think i think you have to have a beer cooler at, at your booth you know like I, the amount of the amount of reports i've had um, and and episodes of the all things techie podcast talking about ise and everyone's like come to our booth because we have like we have a beer tap the likes of you guys, you know, you need something stronger than beer because you're yeah. all the, the, the <laughs> troublesome stories of things that never work. Uh, well, yeah. and, I, and I have to be careful here because it's funny because I think even more so actually in Pro-AV, there are really good proprietary solutions oh, that are doing great work today. thousand yeah. percent. Like I can name the names of them, but they're and not even the big ones. There's some smaller ones too that if I was a person that needed to buy an AV over IP system today, Mm -hmm. and i couldn't wait for the open standards there's some great options out there and of course of them, like you, you know. talk about can't wait sometimes the supply chain issues will yeah, stop you buying you the big anyway, guns yeah. and you, you know like i i work in a higher ed and mm -hmm. you know sometimes the budget can dictate what what to buy and myself and right. Jeremy on the higher ed av podcast we talk about budgets a lot and what can yeah. What can affect things? He's he's in a big university in Ireland, uh, like which would be hundred times bigger than what we have here in 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 Dublin. Um, so you know that. Well, so what I want what I want to say about that though is that is that is that when they come to our booth, what the stories we hear more more often now we hear used to be that we'd hear well, nothing really works that well or this doesn't work that well, but now what we hear is this works fine, but then all the interoperability things. You know, we we have one customer a very large customer that was saying that like, you know, they were trying to figure out how to help. They were, you know, doing acquisitions and then they would bring in these companies that had their own AV over IP stuff. And then they had their AV over IP stuff and they were trying to help desk was begging them for a solution to be able to manage this. And the answer they got back from their systems integrators, it's impossible. Mm. And we were talking to another, again, a very, very large multi-billion dollar international company and they're, we were talking to them about what we were doing and the decisions we were making. And at one point in the conversation, the guy said, well, it's either this or we're screwed. <laughs> and because that that's it, right? I mean, they, it, you know, they might've made some choices differently. You know, there isn't anything that I can remember that they said like that, but, but regardless of exactly what it was we were doing there, what, what every, com what, 
one interesting thing that I learned recently mm-hmm. <laughs> about the market that I didn't really expect. If you look, if you go on the internet and type stop Sempty 2110, you'll find websites about try, people trying to kill Sempty 2110. They hate it. Or if you okay. look at SDVOE's website, right? Yeah. Um, they, they love to throw rocks at, um, at, uh, at Sempty 2110. And so we started this whole thing trying to market ourselves as a little bit separated from Sempty 2110. Reality is what we found is everybody is doing live production. Mm-hmm. Everybody and well, a lot COVID, of and COVID helped us, you know. Look, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, like, technically, and this is a live production, we're doing it over yeah. Zoom, but you know, right. And when you want to just do live production, NDI is super is super popular too, right? Super easy to use and, and does live production really well. What we're finding is two things one is, is that people that are using Sempty 2110 can't really use NDI in that way because NDI has its own limitations, right? Yep. And and so what they want is they, they want a cheaper Sempty 2110. They want compression. They want lax timing so they don't have to have special switches. Well, that's all IPMX, right? And then what we're finding is a lot of pro AV people, big banks, large manufacturing um, corporations, social media companies, each and every one of those guys is doing has broadcast switchers. Mm-hmm. They have broadcast cameras. They have broadcast everything you'd expect in their facility. And the thing that they say to us over and over again is that we are tired of buying $4,000 boxes to go from our pro AV gear over into our broadcast gear. And not only are we tired of paying that money, but we're tired of the quality loss and we're tired of the latency and all of the control issues that come up when we have okay. to I, that gap. I'm going to interrupt and say, Andrew, how yeah. many times does these conversations end up with people saying, oh, it must be your network? Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> if, well, I, you, sure, if you had right? a penny for every time someone said that. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, now you're hitting another one, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big one. That's a big one. Um, yeah, and when people, I mean, this is another <laughs> another podcast or something. But yeah. in fact, it's my next article I'm going to write is on that, is that, you know, people look at it over IP and they might form an opinion about it being difficult or not baked or there would be some problem with it or something. I think depending on who you are and what sort of clarity you have on that, it might, you might be surprised to learn that, um, you know, there are many people in the professional AV industry that might be surprised to learn that the reason why AV over IP is so hard is because our traffic is so weird compared mm-hmm. to the way switches are designed. They're designed for millions of flows and they have load balancers. So if this is getting too much traffic, I'll just kind of shuffle the traffic off off into here. Be, try doing that with AV over IP traffic flows and see how far that gets you. Um, when you're when you're trying to manage the latency down to a frame or less, and and your flow is like eighty percent of the pipe, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that that's just a very different. And you're also doing multicast, which, you know, many many professional IT people don't deal with at all ever. So you got to choose up the bandwidth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, choose up the bandwidth, and also it's hard to manage across switches because you've got. Um, you know, if you're doing multicast and, and you're just spraying a few packets here and there, it doesn't really matter. But when you're when you're when you're when your flows are you know a gigabyte mm-hmm. or a gigabit per second, um, multicast traffic across your switches becomes a big topic. And you know, QoS and managing the quality of service across the switches and making sure that you know people have the experience they expect without having you know to scratch their head is. 
that's really the next challenge, I think. And with with that bandwidth flow, and I know I I've sort of gone down the rabbit hole here, Andrew. Uh, with IPMX, um, how how do you see IPMX with you know the type of green AV and less data means less power consumption? Mm-hmm. Has it been touched upon? Yeah, very much so. I mean, when we looked at um, you know Codex, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right now, IPMX is kind of settled on on JPEG XS, although we're early enough and everybody's in FPGAs that that actually could change. Um, but when we looked at Codex, um, that was front and center in our mind because you can have a. I mean, it's easy if you want perfect quality video. There's a hundred Codex out there that'll do it. There's only like two that will do enough compression to get down to 4K on a one gig connection. Mm-hmm. but also give you subframe latency and also give you the the totally transparent experience meaning that like it, you can't tell if you're on a on a AV over IP or an HDMI cable right you want it to have it be that and perfect that's, that, and that's where yeah. it has to be like yeah it has to be that way yeah, yeah. Like, and and please god we are getting to that stage where we can well, we are yeah we can't yeah. have these standards. Uh, I would say that there's a couple of ones out there, at least one that I know of that's proprietary that achieves that. And I'll even name them, the um, uh, Crestron, right? And then there's others too. I think I think Extron gets there too, but they have that one gig, you know, 444 quality. Um, and, I, and I think JPEG XS can get us there too. And I think, you know, we're, we're looking at um, JPEG XS and there's some different, Different uh, profile settings we can employ there. There's also a couple of other codecs out there that we're that we're also looking at as well. But anyway, getting back to your question, a key part of a key attraction to JPEG XS or reason why we're looking so carefully at it is that it's a very very low uh, power codec. It doesn't take much uh, c- computational power, so fits comfortably inside a laptop's you know GPU resources or CPU resources, so you can stream from your laptop. It's much more like um, uh, MPEG-2 and, and not as much like H.264. Although with H.264 nowadays, we have lots and lots of hardware acceleration. Um, but for our purposes, that that is interesting. The, pro- the challenge there is that most hardware acceleration doesn't do 444, mm-hmm. which is what you need for desktop and, video. Uh, like listening to your answer there, like a lot of your, your talks is about the, the video end of things. What about mm-hmm. the audio? Like, do you do you notice there's audio latency? Uh, yeah, do you oh, find of course. That the audio audio quality mm-hmm. can drop on some of these protocols. Well, audio's audio's bandwidth traffic is just so much lower that yeah. dealing with quality is not really as, as, as difficult as, as as the video. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, the quality is not. That's not really the issue. The issue now, with audio. I, I, I is, hope we haven't offended any AES scientific. No, no, there, I'm sure right? they would agree with that. I mean, yeah. I think they would agree with this next statement too. I think it, the trade-off that you give up for in dealing with the high bandwidth of video, you I think make up for it in dealing with latency in audio, mm-hmm. because latency in video, you know, a line you won't even notice. Yeah. If you're that far off with your speakers, you will audio, notice immediately. You will notice yeah. it immediately. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's why I think you're gonna, you know. We don't cover this open standard, but there's another excellent open standard out there called AVB. It's not an AIMS, they're not under our umbrella, but uh, Milan AVB. Um, they were looking at doing video. They've become very, very popular in audio for that reason. So like if you ever go to a concert and you see those line arrays up there, it's probably, mm-hmm. that's probably AVB for that. <laughs> 
this conversation could go on a lot. I, I, you know what? <laughs> okay. a, a definitely conversation for a few beers in in, in the influencers lounge and uh, yeah, and, and over at ISC. When when do you fly across, Andrew? I'm leaving this Friday, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's um, you know, from you mentioned the beer, I think. You know, it's not. I, you know, I take your meaning. It's, 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 it's whatever libation is your, uh, is your preferred thing. It's getting face to face with people. Absolutely, um, I like. I missed it. This is yeah. my first ISE yeah. in in five years. Um, oh, yeah. I, I was looking at ISE last May and in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. I'd say, do I? Don't I? You know, I was, I was thinking maybe I'll go over for a night. And because of COVID, I I pulled out. Not not yeah. having COVID, but the risk of COVID. Yeah. Um, I pulled out and then seeing the photos of Barcelona in May and I yeah. Went, yeah I missed out on that so I, yeah, I well, am really looking forward to it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's I, a great facility um make sure you get your paper badges so that people can look at your you know the at your badge. shirt and, yes. and, and see who you are as opposed to asking your name all the time but that was a little bit funky but this year they made it easy for us to get paper badges so, paper <laughs> so it'll badges be even better this again. year well yeah. looking forward to meeting you andrew and if yeah. people want to find out more about ipmx and aims where where should they go Apart well, i think ipmx.io of course yes. yeah ipmx.io is a, is a great site to go to also visit aims um aimsalliance.org uh that's our our our, our site for membership and, and, and joining. Um, but we would, we, you know, we would love to, to meet anybody that's interested in open standards. And I, I would like to say just too, that, that even though, you know, our members are mostly manufacturers, um, we'd love to talk to end users and we have a lot to show end users, just, you know, people, you know, the buyers, you know, mm-hmm. they're once removed from where we stand, but, but, um, those conversations are the most fun for us and also they're the most informative and they really drive us to refine the standards and to move us in the right direction as we go forward. So really everybody is welcome to come and we would love to hear from everybody. The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E media.ie.